The Thriving Over Surviving podcast is for informational and inspirational purposes and not meant to be medical advice. Please consult your physician for any medical issues you may be facing. The opinions expressed by guests and advertisers are their own and not necessarily the opinions of Thriving Over Surviving podcast. So what has been your MRI experience? Oh my gosh, terror. Is that a good word to explain? So I am a good patient. You can take as much blood from me as you want. Give me a hundred needles. I don't want it, but I'm not bad with it. But man, I thought, well, I thought I was a good patient until I had my first MRI. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of our autoimmune diagnoses, but ultimately how we thrive in spite of it. I'm your host, Edie Sahesian. I was diagnosed in 2015 with multiple sclerosis. I've learned a lot about MS in myself over the past few years, but the most important thing I realize is that I am going to live my best life. MS and other autoimmune diseases tend to be a bit of a bummer if we let them. So why not battle back by finding our joy? If you have multiple sclerosis, it's probable that you've had an MRI. I for sure have had a bunch. For me, it, it's not really a big deal. During my initial diagnosis, that one was the worst for me. So they took me in at the middle of the night. Uh, I was numb all over and it was really painful because I was numb and I couldn't tell what was really going on. I ended up crying through half of it. But after that, I've had pretty easy experiences. But what I didn't experience at all and haven't ever is claustrophobia. Today, we're going to get into this topic a bit around these MRIs. And my guest, Lauren Berger, she has had a different experience than I have. <laughs> Originally from NYC, and you will hear her accent when she gets on. <laughs> she has been teaching for 13 years now, so she's a very experienced educator and an avid traveler, as well as a Disney lover. So so let's chat it up with Lauren. Hey, hon, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? I am fabs. It's so great to see you. Thank you for joining me. Of course. Now I feel like I have to watch the accent. <laughs> <laughs> no, let it out, chick. Let it out. It's fun. Oh. It's fun. It's part of you, right? Right, it is. <laughs> So Lauren and I met randomly and we figured out that each other has MS. Now we have this connection and I'm making her come on the show today. Well, she she said she would voluntarily. First, Lauren, could you um, share with us your diagnosis story? Sure. So I was diagnosed in November of 2017, which was maybe three weeks before my 30th birthday. So that was a fun way to, you know, get into that. So that year, I'm a teacher, like you said, and I had a very challenging student that year that made the beginning of my year pretty stressful. I had some symptoms the past before that, maybe for four or five years that were truly just overlooked. You would go to a centric care and, you know, here's some ibuprofen and that's that, you know, and things would go away. So I wouldn't really think twice about it until we had the big, the big mama. That's what I like to call it. I would go numb sometimes. And like I said, I would go to Centricare. It was a pinched nerve. I would get ibuprofen. It would go away and life would go on. But this time, November 2017, I went numb in my entire left side of my body from pretty much shoulder to toe. 
I remember the weirdest thing was I would put ice or something to my leg and I couldn't feel it. I couldn't feel anything. My whole left hand totally lost functionality to the point where I couldn't squeeze toothpaste out of it. I couldn't cut food. I really couldn't use that hand. And I got the infamous MS hug. I don't know if people have had that or know what that is, but man, oh man, it feels like I like to say a blood pressure cuff just going right around your rib cage. And I kept thinking, to be honest, that it was my bra and that maybe I would need to loosen it or it was something like that. But I would realize at the end of the day when I'd go home, take a shower and I'd get ready, nothing, it wouldn't go away. So I realized this is, this is more than just a centric care visit. Something was, was going on. Something was wrong. So I went to a general physician who I had a doctor, but I wasn't one to go to my annual physicals. Like everyone should. I'm now such a preacher of that because if only I had done that, we might have caught this before this big flare up. But, you know, can't say what, what would have happened if. So went to that doctor, sent me to a neurologist, which should have probably been done many years before that went for the dreaded MRI. <laughs> and there you had it. They found lesions on my brain and my spine. I was in the hospital for four nights. And on a thousand milligrams a day of prednisone, which was fun. And they diagnosed me with MS. And there it was. Pretty and the rest, the rest is history. It's history. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Right. Right. Exactly. So you had that numbness. Now, since then, since that time, have you had any lingering symptoms or any additional things that have occurred? Yeah. So I would say the whole left side of my body is still not 100% since I can, it's not numb to, I can feel things, but I would say if one side of my body is 100% fine, the left side of my body is maybe 80% since that's happened. My hand sometimes I'll notice after the shower still gets a little shaky and weak that so it's that same hand and the MS hug really hasn't come back knock on wood but I think there's this one big lesion on my spine that I think is the worst one that was causing all of that pain. So just really that and back pain. I, I definitely have this one spot on my back that feels like a rock's in there and that has just been there ever since. Yeah. You know, that's really interesting that you say that because I completely forgot that I had this really weird tingling in the bottom and the base of my spine mm -hmm. for, gosh, a couple of months. And it was like, you couldn't help but like reach back and just touch it and think that that would go away. Like you right. scratch something. Mine eventually did. I forgot all about that, Lauren. Mm -hmm. So, okay. And so that is still there. How interesting. Yeah, it is. Now, how do you cope with all of this? So I, almost, I say now, I don't remember what it's like to feel normal because this has become my new normal. I, I mean, it's been what, over four years now. And that, that residual pain that's where I wouldn't even call it pain, discomfort, because it's not pain. I'm not living in pain. I don't say ouch every time I stand and sit. Like I, I'm one of those people, I always think it could always be worse. That's just my mindset. And that's kind of how I feel with this. I definitely have some things that are uncomfortable and I'm definitely not the same as a 100% healthy person, but it's mild discomfort is what I'd like to say. And how I'm dealing with it is I'm just used to it, which is, I don't know if that's good or bad. I always wonder that if it's good to know that this is just your new normal, or if it's like, should you be longing for actual normalcy? I, I don't know which one I should feel, but what I do feel is that it's my new normal and it is what it is. 
Do you take a disease modifying therapy? I do. I'm on Tecfidera right now, which <laughs> just found out my insurance does not cover anymore. So that's been a fun little situation because now they've made a generic version. So my insurance won't cover the name brands anymore. So the current situation is to go on that generic version, but the copay now would be $300 a month. So I'm now in the next stage to get that the pharmacy is now talking with these other companies to get that covered. So that's hopefully the next step because I have been paying zero for these past four years. Can you apply for copay assistance? That's what's happening right now. Yeah. So they seem pretty hopeful that that will be taken care of, but just waiting on that. So I'm hoping to stay with the same medication. I mean, it's been working for the most part, I would say for the past four years, I've been pretty stable. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, you want to keep you want to keep that up. My friend Melissa went through the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. She was on episode one, taking the Tecfidera. The insurance company dropped it, yep. and I believe you guys have the same insurance. So that's pretty interesting. They mm -hmm. just caught up to you though, just now. Aren't they you did. lucky? They did. I, <laughs> I, I knew this. This did happen a year ago, and somehow I slid under the radar this whole year. And the doctor appealed it, and it worked, and everything was fine. But my number has been called. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll have to follow along and see how that right, works right out on. for you. Do you do any other kinds of holistic treatment other than the disease modifying therapy? So I've liked the essential oils actually, which I was always one to be like, no, that stuff doesn't work. And then a friend of mine was selling them and it was kind of like, I watched her Instagram story, to be honest, and it was an it was like an impulse buy. I was like, why not? Let me just get them. Let's def I have the diffuser right behind me. But I'm like, why not? Let's diffuse some oils, you know, and whatever. And there are a few that they, they have like the roller ball on the top. So you put a little either like on your wrists or there's this pain management one I have that I'll put on my back. And I'm telling you, it it helps. It really does. It's wild. Tell us which one that is so that we can start looking into it. Young Living. And it, that brand's kind of expensive. That little bottle is pretty expensive, but you can't put a price on pain relief, can you? There's another brand on Amazon called Plant Therapy that's also really good. And those ones, are they're named after what they do. So there's one called Relief. There's one called Tranquil that, you know, makes you sleepy. The Relief one helps with my back. So I like that brand a lot too. And I real I don't know, I feel like it helps. So the pain ones I think are like the eucalyptus, tea tree oil, frankincense. Like the, the ones I use are the mixtures. I don't think I really have any straight up, you know, lemongrass or anything like that. The, I, they make like, these, all these companies make mixtures and then they call it that title for what it does. And I think those are the main ingredients. Tea tree oil, eucalyptus, frankincense. It's the minty, it's like the Vicks Vapor Rub, something about that minty stuff. <laughs> it, yeah. it really works. And I, and I don't sell this or anything. So it's not like I'm putting <laughs> something that I do anything from. It just, it, it actually, it works. It's kind of cool. I'm glad that you found something that, that you can use to, to help too. your overall health. That's really mm -hmm. great. I, I use them when I do yoga, I turn it on and it just, you know, makes the room really yeah. Lovely. But so as I was saying earlier, we went through your core values. What did yeah. you determine were your core values? So the top five that I, the five or the two? Well, let's talk about all of that. Okay. So the top, my top five were family, friendship, joy, career, and fun. 
Those are my top five. And then we talked about narrowing that down, right, to two. And we kind of decided family and friendship can really be, you know, brought together because it's really the people in your life. And then my second one was joy. So family and friendship and then joy. Yes. And I pushed Lauren a little bit, but she stuck to her guns because she was saying that, you know, it's really about the the loyalty of the people was very, very important to her. So that aspect of the friends and family is something that really is very meaningful for her and the joy. So tell us how you lean into these core values to live your best life. Yeah. So definitely the family friendship. I mean, I lean I lean into the fact that I know we said it, just the comfort. Feeling comfortable and feeling myself and feeling like I have people I can rely on is so important to me because as independent as I am as a human, I, I need the support of other people. I mean, don't we all? And that's a huge thing for me is to know that those people are really supportive and really there and have my best interests at heart. And they're not just friends I can write on a list. They, they, they mean something to me and I can trust them. And I was thinking of joy and it's funny because I'm like, you know, it's kind of a cheat word because a lot goes into joy. I'm using one word, but then I'm looking at all these words and I'm thinking, well, that can fall under the blanket of bringing me joy. This brings me joy. You know, you said humor and I was like, oh no, should I have picked humor? Because humor is huge to me. But what does humor do? It brings me joy. So I'd almost make the word joy into more of a phrase of things that bring me joy. Because it's it's important for me to be happy and it's important for me to do things and surround myself with people, which there comes the family and friends. And have things in my life that make me happy because I'm less stressed when I'm happy. I'm a better person to the people around me and to myself when I'm happy. So I'm almost using joy as a cheat blanket word to think of all those things that do bring me joy, you know, and make me feel good. Because when I feel good in my heart, I feel good everywhere else. <laughs> I agree 100%. And that's why I use the humor and I just put it in another word, really, but specifically laughter for me. Yeah. And I know you like stand up too. So I, I love that. You love it. So let me ask you this. So let's talk about the joy first. What types of things do you do to bring you joy? I think laughter Usually when people ask my favorite word, that's the word I say. I say laughter because how can you not like to laugh? I love things that make me laugh. I like to make people laugh. And I know you know with my Instagram for teaching, that's the whole point of it is I like to make memes to make myself laugh and make other people laugh and to find humor in things because it's better to laugh than to cry, right? So if I, if I can find humor in things, it's almost a coping mechanism, like you know, you got to laugh, you got to be happy, you got to do things that make you laugh and make you happy or else I just, I don't, I don't like to spend my time thinking about things that make me upset or sad. I, I need to look at the bright side of things. And I know if I do things that bring me joy, that's the person I am to other people. And that's the kind of person I want to be. Lauren kind of skirted over this a little bit, but I am going to bring it back up. So you know, I met Lauren and we're talking and I told her, oh, I have this podcast and yeah, I have 1400 followers on Instagram. It's really growing community and I'm really proud of my people. And we, we talk so much and she's like listening to me smiling. I'm like, oh, that's 
sounds nice, blah, blah, blah. She says nothing about her Instagram page. <laughs> so I go on and I, I look at her page and I'm like, okay, you know, this is Lauren. She's a teacher. She has fun. Look at all her friends and family. They do great things together. But then as time went on, I saw something in her story and I'm like, what is this? And I clicked on it. She has a whole nother page called Students Say What? Tell us about this. How did this start and what is going on with you now? Yes. So I have an Instagram, Students Say What? Started a few years ago. I always love the things the kids say. I'm a teacher. Like we said, I always love the kids, the things the kids say in class. I think they're so unintentionally funny. And it just, that's one of my favorite things about teaching is just the things they say. And I would start jotting it down in my phone, just any funny interaction that we'd have. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll make a little Instagram page and put, put the little quotes up there. And that's how it started. And I thought in my head, students say, what? Like that was my, you know, intentional thought of the title of that page. And that's what the whole beginning of my Instagram is. It's just easy little screenshotted notes from my phone of interactions between my students and me. And then summer came and I didn't have kids anymore. So I lost content and didn't have anything really to write because no one was saying anything. And I started dabbling in the world of memes and just found that they make me laugh. And I, I truly, I sit there and I'll scroll through things and think of ideas and I sit there by myself and laugh, which who doesn't love that? And it, and it, it brings you joy. It brings me joy. <laughs> exactly. And it really does. It brings me joy. And I just love when people will message me or be like, oh, I had a really bad day at work today or this student did, did something that, you know, really sucked or I had this observation and it didn't go well. And I went on Instagram and I saw that meme and I couldn't stop laughing. I sent it to my team of teachers. We use your meme in our, you know, professional development. It, it, it's grown now to this thing that I know I'm bringing other people joy and I'm that page that people are sending to their friends and it's just... It's a cool feeling. Yeah, yeah. she has like 27,000 people that follow her. I'm like, how did this happen? She's like, it's just I woke up one day and it was like that. Yeah, it really just would have spurts of growth over time. And it was it's crazy. I never in a million years thought this would happen ever. It was just a little place for me to make these silly little things that I laughed at. And now there are over 27,000 people following along with me, which is wild. It is wild. And mm -hmm. I went on this morning, you know, in preparation for us chatting today. I hadn't mm -hmm. been on there in a minute. And I looked at like the last five. I was laughing out loud. <laughs> out loud. Mission and accomplished. Yes. Yes. So thank you for bringing that humor to my life. It, it really is pretty joyful and you know, like I say like growth is awesome for me, but it's even more awesome when I get to share it with others. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing is sharing your joy with other yeah. people. Yep. And yeah, it's got to fill your bucket, I would think. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah. That's great. And teaching so important to me too. So the fact that I get to combine my love for laughter and humor with teaching is just the epitome isn't it? How is it going with your teaching and your MS? Are they jiving together? Are you able to manage it? I, I just think about, like, I'm not in the classroom anymore, mm -hmm. but 
even like bathroom breaks and things like that, which is one of your recent posts, I believe, was talking about the bathroom break. Yes. And I just think like, you know, do you get hot? How do you handle that in the classroom with the kids and at work? Yeah, some of it's hard. Some of it's hard. And sometimes it's a lot of pushing through that I just do because I have no choice. I have an amazing team. And if I need to use the bathroom, I'm able to do that. If, you know, I flush from my medicine, that happens. That's one of the side effects is I flush. That's probably one of the most challenging because I don't know if that happens, if you flush at all, if you know the feeling, but it, it's so it's it, I don't feel hot. I feel like my face is in a fire. If it's stinging, it's I get a little lightheaded. It's it's not good and it's hard to push through. Somehow this year lately, whenever I do it, it happens like right at specials, which is when they go to PE or art or music, and I'm like and but what's sad is I'm like, "Great, this is happening at such a great time." But then I'm like, Am I excited about this happening to me? But at least it's happening without the kids. So I can sit there with my fan on and take my mask off for a minute. You know what I mean? And kind of get through it. But it's happened with them. And they, you know, what's, are you okay? You know, they think something's wrong because I turn, I do, I turn bright red. And I say, you know, I'm fine. It just happens to me sometimes. And I, I, I push through. I push through if sometimes third grade, they're independent enough that if I really need a minute and need to, I I can give them an assignment that they can work on independently. I don't think, to be honest, because of MS that I could teach something like kindergarten where I couldn't do that. And I don't even need to do it a lot. It's just the fact that I can once in a while and the fact that I don't, it's not even that I need to do it. They do independent work. So that happens. And I have that chance to kind of for five minutes, take a seat or you don't have to be tying shoes every five seconds. Like I I don't think I could do that because I think there's no like lenience for a, a five minute break. You know what I'm saying? So like their independence and that age makes it, makes it a little bit easier but it's definitely not the easiest thing in the world. Yeah, but I love that you're taking steps to be able to manage it. Like you have the fan and things. Yes. Like oh, I have seven fans in my classroom. When I tell oh. you, I never don't have a fan blowing on me. I am very serious. And it's, so it's in every corner of the room. I mean, I am never not blown with air. <laughs> You gotta do what you gotta do, but I am not kidding you. Lord, that's awesome. Okay, uh-huh. so I actually I don't wanna say collect, but I use I'm still laughing. I use antique fans mm-hmm. around my house as decoration. Uh-huh. <laughs> So I use it because I think it's so ridiculous. Like they don't work. They're just there for decoration, but right. it means so much to me to have air conditioning. And so I'm just going to keep getting these flashes of you with these seven fans. I mean, it's needed though. I need it. Even when yeah. when we have meetings, when we'll you know go down to the media center or have any meetings, I have my little USB fan that I, br- I bring and it's like, no, I'm to the point now. Okay, so in the beginning when I was first diagnosed, I, I I love being the center of attention, but I don't like attention about this. I don't talk about this with people. I don't want 
people to feel bad for me. I don't want the woe is me. It was very hard for me to be in the hospital during like a school week because I I didn't want like the whole, are you okay? We're thinking about you. I, I, I don't know. I'm just not and I don't like that kind of attention. So in the beginning, I didn't take care of myself that way. I wouldn't bring the fan. I wouldn't, because I, I just didn't want to call attention to like something's now wrong with me. Like I, I have an illness. I don't like that. I still don't like it. But now, no shame in my game. That fan goes with me every, at recess I have one. And then, I mean, I am like fangirl over here. Anywhere I go, because I know when I'm cool, I feel a hundred times better. So I do, like we, even we went to dinner, right? And I said, I won't sit at the high top. I'm at the point where I do now what makes me comfortable because I know the little easy changes that I can make that will just make me feel better. And I have no shame in doing them now. Yeah. And I, I like that too, that you're taking charge of it that way. It, it's really, do you have that fan, that one that goes around your neck in it? I don't because I get nervous. My hair is going to get caught in it. Oh yeah. Yeah. You do. I always wear my hair down, but I have at least four handheld fans. (laughs) Why does one need four? I don't know, but I have one in my Disney purse. I have one at school. I have one in my lunchbox. It's I'm never without a fan. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, my dad works at Disney at Epcot Mm -hmm. and I, what is so great about it for you? What does it do for you? I I mean, I can imagine that it's, it's joyful. Yeah. Disney, Disney's my childhood. We are a Disney family. We lived in New York till I was 16. We had annual passes since I was four years old. We came here four times a year for two to three weeks each time to go to Disney. We essentially moved to Florida for Disney. My dad retired we moved to Orlando to be close to Disney. And that is a true statement. It, it's just how I grew up. It's my happy place. It's my vacation thoughts. Just every, you know, when you think back to childhood, when I think to now, it's just, I'm always happy there. It's always fun. I have the fun thoughts of like it as a child of meeting Mickey and, you know, getting excited about things like that. And now as an adult drinking around the world, I just feel like there's something for everyone and it never gets old. And I've worked there and it still didn't get old. (laughs) I think people don't know that Epcot is really for adults. Exactly. Like they come with their kids and I see people with strollers and like, there's nothing for them here. (laughs) (laughs) This right? is an adult park and yes. late at night, inappropriate things happen in Disney World. It's so much just fun. Let- <laughs> mm-hmm. It is. It is. And I, I, you know, I'm like that with the stand-up stuff. So mm-hmm. I totally, totally get it. And I just like so much that it's something that really fills your bucket and it's a priority for you. Yes. Not only to just have the pass, but to go. How often do you go there? Well, now it's a little different because of COVID. Um, Pre-COVID, honestly, at least once a week. At least. Yeah. Always. I mean, that's what I do on my weekends. I, a lot of my friends have passes. My family's always had passes after school once in a while. I mean, we would, you know, where do you want to go for dinner? Let's go to Epcot. Like that's, you know, that was the level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what's your favorite park? Is it Epcot? Magic Kingdom. Oh, why? It's just Disney. 
It will forever be my favorite. It's just you walk in the castle, and to me, that just is like quintessential what Disney World is. Isn't it special when you walk down Main Street there yes. and all you just come upon the castle? It's like it never gets ma- old. It's magical. It, it, is. it is. It is. And it's funny because I'll go with my parents, who we've now all been going. I mean, since my existence. So I cannot, I can't, I have no number for the amount of times we've been to Disney and we'll still say, isn't it, why is it still so magical? What's like, we're all adults. We've been here millions of times. How is this walk still just so happy and magical? And it is, it really is. And maybe I sound crazy for saying it, but it is. (laughs) My father, no, I don't think you're crazy at all. My father, like brags that we live in a place that people spend their whole life saving to come to it's a I think it's it's a privilege to live here to be able to access those things and I mm, I think I've paid to go to Disney one time and people get me in right it's not crazy it's crazy expensive now but Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's gone up, but mm-hmm. it's it's worth it if it, it if is. it means that much it to is. you and the experience of it. I went when I was a little kid, and my my brother he was little, he was little, mm-hmm. and like he couldn't stay for that long during the day, right? Yeah. So at the end of the, at the by nighttime, it was like he was done. But we also went to. SeaWorld that trip, right? And he, my bro- my littlest brother, Jake, he was super cute, like tiny little kid with bleach blonde hair. He does not look like or act cute anymore, but <laughs> I love him very much. But so somebody comes and we're watching the, at that point they had the Shamu show, uh-huh. right? Shamu. That's what yeah. it was. Yes. And Somebody comes up to us that works there and says, would you like to sit on Shamu? And my brother freaked out and he's I like, no bet. way. And my, my other brother and I were like, what's wrong with you? Go sit on <laughs> Shamu. And they picked another kid. But yeah, that was a fun trip that introduced me to Disney. I was in fourth grade yeah. at that point. And I didn't go again until an adult. And so, yeah, yeah. But I, I just appreciate the fact that it's important to you and you make it a priority to go. Yeah. Yep. I do. And that's living into your core values, Lauren. It is. It brings me joy. (laughs) So since you have been diagnosed, I know. So you've had a lot of accomplishments. You're going back to school. Right. Yeah. Tell tell us a little bit more about that and how you have planned to manage that additional component. I haven't really planned that out yet. We're just gonna <laughs> see what happens. Okay. Part of me is like, I'll be fine. I'll, I've always been a good student. School has been something that always came naturally to me as a kid. I was I was that kid who didn't have to study, who didn't have to put in a lot of time, and I got hundreds. That's who I was as a student. Am I going to be that way as an adult? I have no idea. So that's that's probably the thing that's the most daunting is what if I have this completely different experience now? Because 
I don't know if my brain's going to work as well as it did 13 years ago. I also now have a full-time job when before you go to school and school's your full-time job. Not anymore. So I don't, I'm kind of just going with the approach of I'm doing it. So I'm going to make the best of it and I'm going to get it done because that's what I've decided to do. So I'm going to manage it. I'm taking two classes this semester. I felt like that was a good kind of starting point to see how much work it's going to be and how it's going to work with working and then kind of go from there. I'm not in this crazy rush to finish, you know, so fast. If I feel like that's a good amount of classes, I'll continue. If I feel like I was overwhelmed, I'm okay with taking less. I'm just, I'm okay with kind of seeing how I do. So what are you going to school for? Educational leadership. Wow. That is so wild. (laughs) It is not easy out there. Let me tell you, but I, Mm -hmm. you know, but it just speaks to your love for the kids and, and how you want to not only further your own career, but really serve an even bigger purpose. Teaching to me is, you know, just so selfless because you're, you're not really there for you. And it's definitely not Mm -hmm. for the cash, but it's for the kids. And you know, that's been my world for a long, long time. And Mm -hmm. when you see students and adults succeed, it just means the world. And when you're an administrator, you get to have a little bit of both of that. Exactly. And it's funny because that someone said that to me or today or the other day when they found that I was doing this, they were like, everyone's running away from education and you're going to move higher in it. And I said, that's exactly why I'm doing this because this is what I wanted to do since I was six years old and no one wants to do it anymore and something has to change because this is important. It's never going away. Teachers are never going away for something that when I, when I was growing up, so many kids, I want to be a teacher. I want to, it was such a sought after job career. And now to hear that everyone's running away, why are you running towards it? Made me want to go even more, to be honest, because that's why. That's why. You're a special person, though. I applaud you for that, especially, you know, you you have this thing going on and you're not going to give up your dream just because, you know, there's a mess around the corner. Can't think about it like that, right? And I'm proud of you, young lady. That's so great. I'm excited. I'm happy for you. This is wonderful. So what I was leading into, and I don't know the answer to this, but what has been your proudest accomplishment? Oh, my proudest accomplishment, not to sound sappy, but probably becoming a teacher. I mean, a lo- I, to be honest, going to college, a lot of people I knew had didn't have a, a major declared, you know, a lot of people go in not knowing what they want to do. People go in and change their majors a hundred times. It's, I, I feel like not many people just know what they're going to do and stick to it. And I've known truly since I'm a kid. So I think it's kind of cool that I, nothing's changed since, you know, I'm six years old, old in this, I'm teaching my little sister and this is what I want to do. Went to college. This is what I want to do. Graduated college. And now I'm doing it. I, I stayed very clear on the path that I, you know, set out for. Lord, I'm having a little bit of brain fog right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much we really dug into the MRI portion. Can you recap it for me? Did we talk about it? I thought we were going to avoid it for a reason. <laughs> no, we were going to talk about it and we need to. <laughs> I didn't even ask 
you yet. Okay. So I know you, you were distracting me. That's the whole thing. I'm like, wait, weren't we, we're just chatting away. Weren't we supposed to talk about something specific? Oh my yeah. goodness. People are probably listening. You guys are probably listening going, what about the MRI stuff? So one of the first things we talked about was this when we met mm-hmm. and Cause I am pretty easy going with my MRIs. I've been known to fall asleep during them. And so what has been your MRI experience? Oh my gosh. Terror. Is that a good word to ex- explain? So I am a good patient. I, you can take as much blood from me as you want. Give me a hundred needles. I mean, I, I don't want it, but I'm not bad with it, but Man, I thought, well, I thought I was a good patient until I had my first MRI when I soon realized what a nightmare that was. Like you had said, my first one was when I had my, you know, big flare up that led to my diagnosis. And I had no idea what was about to happen. I had never had one before. No one ever really talked to me about them. I feel like my perception of MRIs was what I saw on TV or in a movie. So I had zero idea what was about to happen. And also, like you said, at that point, half my body's numb, my back is killing. It was just, I wasn't feeling well already. So I lay on the brick, which I like to call it because that's what it feels like. And this is actually funny. I just saw the movie Saw 6 or that horror movie, right? Which the way that one started, whichever one came out in 2017, and I saw it in the movie theaters, they all start, you know how that movie is crazy and scary. And they all started that they had like this bucket on their head. And that's like how the movie opened. And they had to like figure their way to like unchain the thing on their neck and take the bucket off. Mm -hmm. So I lay on this table thinking like, okay, whatever. I'll lay on this table for a little. And the girl comes and snaps that cage over my head and I told her I was like oh my gosh I just saw saw last night and this is how the movie started and she's laughing making small talk with me probably not realizing I've never done this I had no idea what was coming they're sticking the little cushions by my ears so my head doesn't move and then she says here's the little thing to squeeze with your hands you know if you ever if you feel uncomfortable and need to come out squeeze it but just know if you do it in the middle of an image we have to redo it so like you know try to bear with it because whatever you come out for we have to redo so now I also had no idea how long this was I I knew nothing I was just laying there and, and ready to go in so now the whole time I'm laying there thinking like no matter what don't push this thing because I don't want to have to redo anything so I go back and I'm just, I was completely taken aback. I wasn't expecting any of it. So I'm now caged in a tiny hole that my arms are touching. I like, I just, I did, I wasn't expecting any of it at all. Then the noises start. Then it was just, everything happened that I had no, I I had no idea any of it was coming. And it was probably about three hours that first one. It felt like 30 and I would not push that thing because I kept telling myself, if you push this thing, you're, you have more of this. You're going to have to go back in and get more. So I had it like ingrained in my head. You cannot come out because I'm not going back in. So it was just this, what felt like 30 hours of misery, feeling like I can't go anywhere because I'm not redoing this in this claustrophobic little setup with a cage that I had no idea about. 
it's just, I feel like it was more of the unknown and then it like scarred me for life. And I just, plus I was so uncomfortable laying on that flat table in pain at the height of that flare up. It was just a very, it was a, it was a very bad experience. And then I feel like everyone since I just have this like fear of them now and I think of weird things and I'm like, what I, what if I'm stuck in here forever? And my mind just doesn't stop. I feel uncomfortable laying on a hard surface really hurts my back. Like that's one thing that really hurts. So I'm in pain the whole time. They are not fun for me. Since then you've had more, a bunch of them. Sure have. What, What happens when you go to have an MRI? So I wind up now breaking them down because I, I make myself put, so I've learned now to tell them to talk to me and say, okay, this next one's going to be three and a half minutes. And I don't know how to explain to you what that noise sounds like. We'll go on for three and a half minutes. Okay. Next one's going to be about four minutes. So knowing that and breaking that down has made it a little bit easier because there's an end in sight. This, that first one, no one spoke to me. There was no, there was no end in sight. And to me, I couldn't create an end because I didn't want to have to do it again you know so it was like it was awful but I wind up paying so much money now because I can't get through the whole thing in one sitting that I'll go to one and I'll do just brain then I'll make another appointment and I'll do just t-spine I'll make another appointment and do just l-spine because I can't lay there for all of that time and then it winds up being a lot of money because each time is a separate copay. I just, I haven't yet had a good, easy experience where I could just get it done at once and be done with it. So that li- it's been four years and that has not happened for me once <laughs> where I've had a, an okay experience. <laughs> Have you ever taken, like, don't they offer you medication? Oh yeah, I've had it all. Nothing. Doesn't do a thing. Wait a minute. Tell us more about that. I don't understand. I've taken every medicine they can prescribe you before you go, and I don't even get sleepy, literally. Really? Yes. The power of the brain. That's what it shows me because, I mean, it. I don't know. Nothing. The only, the only thing I haven't had yet is anesthesia, which I've heard there's one place that does that, which is my goal for this next one. I could get, I, I don't know how I can do it. I don't know. I'd be interested to know what happens. It's it's so super curious that they give you the medication and nothing happens. Nothing. And it just, you have a lot of anxiety about it, it mm-hmm. seems. And yeah. wow, that's really, that's really wild. I'd love to hear other people's experiences with the MRI and what they've done to help them kind of get through it. If they, especially those that are claustrophobic, mm-hmm. it would be really interested to hear some other people's perspectives because they put some Dave Matthews in my headphones and I'm just kind of like, uh, okay. And I feel like many people are. I haven't really heard many stories of people feeling the way I do. So I would love to hear some people. I can't be the only one, right? You, no, you like no. So if you're listening and you've had some good or shady, I don't know how to say it, experiences <laughs> with the MRI, yeah, let message me. Um, I'd love to hear that and I'll I'll definitely pass it on to Lauren. I did not, boys and girls, put my dog in the crate today when I started doing the podcast. So you're going to probably hear little Lily throughout the show because I can't quite edit it all out. So I'm sorry about that, but please bear with us and know that Lily's here with us. (laughs) 
enjoying the show with Lauren. So yeah, Lauren, that's just pretty wild to me. And when you started telling me this the first time, what went through my mind was first to tell you a list of things to try because I want to help everybody. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking, Edie, don't do that. Don't do that. This isn't (laughs) your experience. Just listen to her and shut up. Because as you started talking, it was like the more you were telling me, I'm like, this is an intense thing. Mm -hmm. Nothing that I can say is going to make this better for her right now. And so I think that's really hard with people with MS or any other autoimmune disease because people that love them and they want to help them. Right. And they start offering all these things like, and I've said this before, my dad will, I'll say, yeah, how are you doing today? Oh, I have a little numb patch on my right leg. I get one too. He says, yes. Have, have you tried Uh this? Yeah. Uh Oh, that's always people's response. And I'm like, okay, but no, like, no, no, no. You're, you're maybe like, cause the, the, it's the tired thing. Don't you get that? Like, I'm tired today. And everyone's response is me too. And I'm like, listen, no, you don't understand. (laughs) It's a different level. (laughs) It's this exhaustion that runs through your entire body, right? You can't explain it unless you've been through it. It's just, you can't. So yeah, I didn't want to be that person for you. (laughs) I hope I didn't do that. No, but I would like to hear that other people that have done things to, um, let's commiserate together a little bit because sometimes that helps. help is welcome because Man, if someone had that experience and found a way to not have that experience, I would love to know because. And it might just be, the the answer just might be the anesthesia or you're going to have to suck it up, Lauren, and get in the darn machine. I I feel so, that's so discerning that you have to do that. I would be putting it off and getting one the minimal amount. Oh. Yes, I do, which is not good, but I do. (laughs) So Lauren, it's been a real pleasure talking to you today from discussing the core values and things and really getting into that and pushing you and you pushing me back like, nope, this is it. I know it is. And, uh, you know, tell those things that bring you joy. And I hope everybody out there listening has things that also, whether it's your core value or not, that bring you joy in your life. We talk about that a lot on the show. I just think it is something that we need to infuse in order to live our best lives. So everybody out there, I hope you're finding that. I hope you're finding that. Lauren, um, please tell people where they can find you if they want to reach out. Oh, yes. Well, you can find me on Instagram at student say what. And I think we can all kind we've all if we're not a teacher, we've been to school, right? So anyone can kind of relate to those memes. But if you're a teacher, definitely head over because I think we can all be in misery and laugh together. <laughs> Lauren, Lauren's been making some videos lately too, which are quite humorous. And like she said, she likes to be the center of attention. So I think that's working, Lauren. Yes, it's fun. Well, I want to mention to everyone that we are having uh, an event in Blue Jacket Park on April 2nd. If you haven't heard about it or signed up yet, Lauren will be there. 
So if you are wanting to meet Lauren and me, we would love for you to come out to Blue Jacket Park in Orlando on April 2nd and join us for the MS Walk. You can sign up for that on my Facebook page at Thriving Over Surviving and my personal page, Edie Sohesian, it is on there as well. We're going to have t-shirts and good times. There's going to be, we, I've scheduled a brunch afterwards. And then on Sunday, if you are still inclined, MS Yoga Movements is going to be providing us with a free yoga class, which should be fun. If we are all there together, you guys can all laugh as I moan and groan through the yoga because that is what happens. So in the meantime, everybody keep thriving. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. If you would like to join our growing community of thrivers, there are a lot of ways to do so. Visit the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. There you'll find links to all our social media, my blog, and lots more. See you next time when we chat it up with another autoimmune warrior on the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. Keep thriving. Thriving.